Hello and welcome to Plotris. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing On the Way to the Wedding by Julia Quinn. So this was published in 2006 and is the final uh, in the Bridgerton series. So that would be number eight. It's... We it's thought we were a little nervous when we started doing this that we weren't going to be done in time for the Netflix show, and the Netflix show doesn't even have a premiere date yet. So I think we're safe. Yeah, we did it. <laughs> we did it. We're done. <laughs> it's great. Um, so we we did make it all the way through. Uh, so far, we have liked four of the books, and we have disliked three of the books. So. Is this going to make it an even 4-4, or are we going to come down on with majority like the Bridgertons? Maybe we should do a, like a recap after for one of our errata. Yeah. About the Bridgerton experience, because this is the end. This is the last one. This is the final Bridgerton book that I think we're going to read. I mean. Did Julia Quinn do that thing where she published about the grandkids? No, what she did was she published about their parents' relatives. So her current series is the Bridgerton prequels. Okay, yeah, I have no interest. <laughs> she did write um, a quartet. I think it's great. It's called the Smythe Smith Quartet. So it's four books about four of the, of the girls, the women who are in the Smythe Smith Quartet. And to be honest, I think it's a very strong series. I like it quite a bit. That could be a fun next summer thing. Yeah. Especially if the TV show picks up. Yeah. It's a pretty good one. It's I, I would say I like that series a lot. Okay. But right now we're still talking about the Bridgertons. We're not quite finished yet. We do have to talk about Gregory's book. So let's start out with the jacket. A funny thing happened. Unlike most men of his acquaintance, Gregory Bridgerton believes in true love. And he is convinced that when he finds the woman of his dreams, he will know in an instant that she is the one. And that is exactly what happened. Except she wasn't the one. In fact, the ravishing Miss Hermione Watson is in love with another. But her best friend, the ever-practical Lady Lucinda Abernathy, wants to save Hermione from a disastrous alliance. So she offers to help Gregory win her over. But in the process... Lucy falls in love with Gregory, except Lucy is engaged and her uncle is not inclined to let her back out of the betrothal, even once Gregory comes to his senses and realizes that it is Lucy with her sharp wit and sunny smile who makes his heart sing. And now, on the way to the wedding, Gregory must risk everything to ensure that when it comes time to kiss the bride... He is the only man standing at the altar. I mean, it definitely gets to the first half of the book, which is that Gregory thinks he's in love with Lucy's best friend. Yes. It doesn't get into the wacko second half of the book. It does not. I mean, I don't know how you can get into that, to be completely honest. Uh, this book left me speechless and not in like a sinister fun way. Right? It's I was yeah, like, like what this all just came out of left field. Seriously, I was like, what just happened in this book? But so as usual, we generated a random number and then we wrote our own summaries based on that number. So for this episode, the number was 25. 
Gregory and Lucy meet cute at a house party while both think they're taken, but this cute story turns into one of violence and treason. You know, we, I think we picked up on the same thing because this is my summary. Love at third sight, dramatic revelations involving treason, homosexuality, and blackmail all lead up to a graduate-style wedding scene. Slight letdown for a series finale. It's just, okay, so the best part of this series is the Bridgerton family. Yes. It's the family dynamics, their banter, their bickering, their finally marrying people who have been tangential to their circle and expanding the family. Like that is what makes this work. Mm -hmm. The second half of this book, no other Bridgertons are present. There is like a shocking amount of like manhandling and physical violence. Yeah. There's guns. Yeah. Um, there's high treason. Yeah. There's, um, forcible like implication of forcible sex uh-huh yeah and I don't like the second half of this book is just not a Bridgerton novel that's that's exactly what I was like I, I was like okay the first book like the first book starts out so Bridgerton they're at so Gregory is at uh Anthony's house and Kate is like you've got to dance with some of the some of the young debutantes out there come on Gregory and they have a little bit of brotherly, sisterly banter. Um, the whole thing is at a house party at Anthony's house. So it's like, great, we're going to have some Bridgertons here. And then after they leave the house party, things get real weird. And, like, does Gregory call Colin for advice? Yes. Colin is, like, a shell of himself. Colin isn't yeah. even fine. No. I, well, the one thing, so Colin does go into a tree? Yeah, Gregory? he sits in a tree and talks to Gregory for like four hours. Yeah, but that's it. And also, like, that's not what Colin would do. <laughs> Come on. Correct. <laughs> you, everyone knows that my, I have two, like, standards for my historical romance heroes. That would be Rupert Carsington and Colin Bridgerton, right? Neither of them would go, like, have a heart-to-heart. -heart. Both of them would climb the tree, yes. But neither of them would just leave the brother there. Uh-uh, they'd, like, get him drunk or something. Yeah, it's um, it's just, it's a very weird book. It's very weird. And we will get to it. And I'm just going to say up front, we're going to keep it spoiler free for as long as we can, but we're going to have to get into it. There's just to. no way not to talk about where this book went wrong without spoiling the whole thing. Yeah. We do have quite a few tropes. Um, I, let's start with, so the biggest one, of course, is that there's the hot best friend who overshadows the heroine. Yeah, and I'd say, like, even bigger than that, it starts at a house party. Yeah, it starts at a house party. I love it. So our heroine, Lucy, is at said house party with her hot best friend. The hot best friend believes herself to be in love with her father's secretary, who is obviously an inappropriate match, as mm -hmm. she is a Viscount's daughter. Mm -hmm. And Lucy is betrothed to a... Earl's, yeah, an Earl who's the son of a duke, um, and has been her whole life. She is, another trope, a sad, tragic orphan, mm -hmm. who's been raised by her uncle, pretty mm -hmm. much alone in a drafty old estate. Um, and at this house party, they meet Gregory Bridgerton, kind of um, loafish brother of their yeah. house. 
Yeah, I'm going to be honest. The the intro of Gregory in this novel made me really dislike him, like, a lot. Basically, he's just there justifying to Anthony about why he should do nothing with his life. And again, we have, I at least have talked about this quite a few times, that this is the problem with the Bridgerton brothers, is they have no reason to have any other ambition, right? That said, both Benedict and Colin find artistic callings, and they want to do more with their lives than what they're doing right now. Gregory doesn't even want to do anything more with his life. He's just like, I'm good hanging out around here. Like, why should I do anything more? Well, and what Gregory's calling ends up being is essentially house husband. Right. <laughs> yes. I mean, his his calling is, I am going to take care of my wife, I guess. I'm going to, this is the most minor spoiler of minor spoilers. They end up together. And the epilogue <laughs> is they're happily ever after with their children. And this was probably the most mortifying single line in the book for me. He tells his wife, I don't know what you... I don't remember what you look like not pregnant. I know, right? That's It's like a very Jim Bob Duggar thing to say. <laughs> I just, you know, at this point, I, the book was done. I already formed my opinion. And then that wallop of a line came through and I went, I wanted more for Lucy. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, Gregory's just a, I don't know. He's like, a, he's has very little personality. The problem is this book just got work worse to me because now I think of him as Jim Bob Duggar. So I'm sorry about that, but what can I say? Well, okay. I mean, what does Jim Bob do? A car salesman and Republican nightmare. Yeah. Which I think is an occupation at this point. Possible. Um, okay, so anyway, it starts at a house party where Lucy is attending with her best friend who is super hot. So they they are still really good friends. It's it's not um, it's not some kind of thing where her friend looks down on her um, or anything like that, which is which is nice. Uh, I it reminded me a little bit of the Karen Taming of a Rogue. Remember, there were the two sisters, mm-hmm. and one yeah. was smart and not hot, and the other one was hot and also actually probably kind of smart but didn't show it correct um this house party does have a mass ball yes um which does involve a significant waltz yes as mass balls and romance novels do she um part of my problem with gregory too is his only definable character traits sort of already belong to another brother oh yeah they tried to do Gregory, like, guy with the bottomless pit for a stomach. Uh-huh. But that's already Colin. That's already Colin. Come on. So, you know, that was fine. Um, She has been, as we mentioned, betrothed forever. Right. And she kind of likes it because it means she doesn't have to do the pretty in society. But then when she meets Gregory, she realizes she kind of wants to do the pretty. So. Yeah. She's like, maybe I've just been using this as a crutch for all those years. Um... Whatever. This point forward, spoilers abound. Deal with it. They have secret goodbye sex. Yes, but it's also a secret just to him. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. It's not. It's not secret. It's the fact that it's goodbye sex. It's only goodbye sex to her and not to him. Right, but isn't that the way secret goodbye sex always is? Oh, maybe the other yeah. doesn't. Yeah, one person knows the other person doesn't. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I. It wasn't. 
I, I so I'm thinking of the goodbye sex in um, again the magic, which they both knew was the final sex. <laughs> uh. Yeah. I mean, I guess so. It's not always, but that's not secret goodbye sex. That's goodbye sex. Fair. I think secret goodbye sex. Is always one okay, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> and then there's a lot of tropes surrounding Lucy's intended. Yes. So he is. He. God, it's so. It, it's there's so much there. It's so much there. His character is a hot mess, so let's just do the tropes now, and we'll get into his character later. Okay, so he's a gay aristocrat who needs both to get married and to get an heir. And why does he need an heir is because he doesn't want his nasty cousin to inherit, but, like, with extra gayness on top of that. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't want to have sex with a woman, but I'll do it to prevent the estate from going to my cousin. (laughs) So, like, basically it's, and then, of course, Bridgerton, big, crazy family, but asterisk, not enough Bridgerton. Yeah. Yep. Not enough Bridgerton. Falling in love means you grow up. And it's, like, the only thing that makes you grow up? I mean, in this book, I guess. I thought it, well, it's done better in um, Romancing with Bridgerton. <laughs> but almost everything is, so. <laughs> So, I mean, what do you, but like, okay, there is one significant tea with Violet. Yeah. There's a enough. little bit of Gregory Hyacinth bickering, but like, that was never my favorite part of the Bridgertons. Mm-mm. And it was done better in the previous book. Greg- Gregory has one conversation with Anthony that isn't even that deep. He talks to Colin in a tree for like five seconds. I do think, I will say, I haven't got to the end of the series. Benedict barely appears after, after his own his book. book. Uh-huh. I think there's a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just there's not enough Bridgertoniness. There's not enough Bridgertons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Are we are we done with tropes? Yeah. All right. So yeah, I mean we already talked about it, but basically the book feels weird. The first half is very Bridgertony. And the second half is like, who, I don't know who wrote this book. Like, it, I I could have seen it written, like, overwritten and very florid by um, uh, Stephanie Lawrence. So this could totally have been a sinister book. They always deal with, like, treason and having to kill people and stuff like that. This is not good, what the fuck. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I, I will say, okay, so basically we have a traitorous uncle who was being blackmailed by the Duke to marry the Duke's son to Lucy. Yeah. So basically the traitor's uncle lies to Lucy and says that her father was the traitor who told, who sold secrets to Napoleon. Mm -hmm. And that if this secret were to come out, the family could be disinherited because you can revoke a dukedom over, or I'm sorry, her family's not a Duke, uh, a seat over treason and Mm -hmm. so she'll ruin her brother's life she'll ruin her best friend's life she'll ruin her family's like legacy if she doesn't marry this gay aristocrat who doesn't love her and she's in love with Gregory Bridgerton Mm -hmm. but it turns out spoiler alert the uncle's the actual traitor and so clearly while there's a scandal associated with that it's not a risk to the family name or the seat 
yeah, not, not the same way. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's a whole lot to happen. So, I mean, I could see this book by other authors, like playing out totally different. So, you know, Stephanie Lawrence, what would happen would be, um, the uncle gets killed and they cover up the death to save the family. <laughs> Elizabeth Hoyt, um, the, she married, so Lucy would marry the guy, probably have a child to save the dukedom, but then he gets widowed and now she like, the world has opened up. So she's got this tragic past, but now she's going to be with some commoner. <laughs> like, I'm not kidding. I could like see this. I can see different authors doing this, you know? But for me, I was like, this is not a Julia Quinn book. It was not cute or lighthearted or fun at all. Mm -mm. It, it was weird. It was very weird. And I, I don't know where she came up with it. I think my biggest problem with this book, though, ultimately, is that Lucy is a really fun, cool character. Mm -hmm. And, like, I like the idea of a heroine who's a little practical. Yeah. And I don't even blame her for deciding to go through with the wedding given the information she had I don't think it was super in character that she wouldn't have done more investigating on her own mm -hmm. but I do think if she'd had better reason to believe the situation as presented to her was true she behaved in a consistent manner mm -hmm. but you know she's loves to dance but she's also the first person to say I am hungry right now let's go eat or I can tell you are hungry right now let's go eat she's a really good friend to Hermione even though Hermione seems kind of flighty like I really liked Lucy and she did deserve better to be than being Gregory's um, baby factory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then the, and the other shoved yeah. around. Yeah. The, the other issue I had with the book is that, so if the book had stuck with Julia Quinn, I think I would have liked it more. So basically the book would have been Gregory thinks that he's in love with Hermione and then all of a sudden he has a revelation like halfway through that actually he's in love with Lucy. But instead of like there being some weird treason plot, whatever, that now it's his chance to prove to Lucy that he's actually in love with her and not Hermione. You know what I mean? Like, right. And that you could have done him after watching him pine over Hermione. Right. right. You know, I mean, this personally, I would have liked it much better and it would have been better character growth for Gregory too. Yep. So there is another trope that I will mention here, which is he um, gets drunk. And the first time he realizes he has feelings for Lucy is when he drunkenly stumbles into her in the hallway at night. And that's mm. when they make out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's just not, there's nothing between Gregory and Lucy at all. That's the issue. So the whole first half is him trying to get Hermione to notice him. And yeah. like, basically he makes Lucy his wingman. Right. And Lucy like, wants to be, because Lucy wants Hermione to dump the guy she's in love with back home and thinks yeah. Gregory is, like, a more suitable match. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's like, yeah, Gregory's a really nice guy. I really like him. He's handsome. He's rich. Very mm -hmm. nice. Whatever. Um, and she's like, I have a crush on him, but whatever. Nothing's going to happen. I'm engaged. Yeah. Um, but there, there, wasn't, there wasn't enough connection between the two of them. Unfortunately. No, and there could have been. Yeah. But I just don't see what Lucy saw in Gregory at all. Yeah. And I don't think he worked hard enough for her. Yeah. So question for you, Lane. Part of the reason that Gregory somehow realizes that he's not in love with Hermione is that she gets a crush on someone else and then, like, wanders off into the house party. And... 
he's like, we have to find her. We have to find her right now. And he like organizes a search to go find her. I just don't understand why he did that. Well, he originally wanted to go by himself. He says to Lucy when she tells him that Hermione and her brother have both been gone for ages that, you know, Gregory's like, I'm going to go look in the gardens then. And Lucy's like, oh, I'll come with you. And he kind of says, no, I really need to find him. And then she goes, oh, well, then we'll just tell Mrs. Bridgerton. And at that point, Gregory's like, nope, worst thing you could do, because then they're like officially outed if they are up to something. So I don't think he wanted to catch them and expose them and have a search party. I think he wanted to run off by himself, sprint out into the gardens and catch them in the nick of time before anything happened. I think it was the stupidest thing he ever did. It wasn't well done. It what wasn't was the point. Mar- what was the point? Also, like, fundamentally, the point of this book is Gregory deciding he loves a woman and not like taking her hints that she's not interested. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, like that is the purpose. And now he's like, oh, this new guy's moved in and maybe Hermione's interested and capable of being seduced by him. At that point, like, why does Gregory still think that marrying her is a good idea? Yeah, I, I, I don't understand it. Either, like, first of all, I don't know that you were supposed to think Hermione was actually in love with the brother. Hermione struck me as just very, like, into whatever was in front of her. Yeah, that's, I think that's, yes. Mm-hmm. And so, like, at that point, what did Gregory think he was achieving by being the one to, quote unquote, win her? Like, for being mm-hmm. the one to force her into a weird marriage? Mm-hmm. I don't know. None of it made sense or made Gregory very likable. Yeah. Okay, so guys, we've kind of ended our summary of the book because from now on, we're moving to offensiveness. Oh, if you think we hadn't gotten there yet, you aren't at the part yet where Lucy gets choked against a door by her uncle. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, okay. Immediately following the rush through the house where Hermione gets caught and compromised and now engaged to get married to somebody else, Gregory gets a little drunk, yes. walks around the house, sees Lucy, and is like, hmm, think I'd like to kiss her. Lucy, who snuck into the family quarters to be alone. To be alone. And so they, like, have a nice little kiss. Um, but then, like, uh, nothing, uh, I don't know. He's, he's drunk. Look, he wasn't Simon drunk. No, and at no point does he, like, attempt to escalate the situation drunk either yeah but their first kiss is is a drunk kiss and then after it's over he doesn't want to talk about it he does try to talk about it a little bit the next day but kind of well she's the one who flees their first kiss yeah I mean I would me too (laughs) I'm not but like it I don't think it's so much he did or didn't want to talk about it as she immediately was like this should not have happened. I am leaving. Yeah. Yes. I, I think what's in the book, he he doesn't even have any introspection on it afterwards. Like, he doesn't even talk yeah. about it in his mind to himself. He's just like, well, that was interesting. And then heads off to bed. And the thing is, this, this is a, tr- a plot that's a little hard to write, even in the first half. Mm-hmm. Like a guy who believes he's in love with one woman while trying to write him actually falling in love with a different one. Mm-hmm. And I think the only way it works for the reader is if 
it's a character who doesn't think too hard about anything. Yeah. Gregory isn't like a lovable. He's not a Rupert or a Colin. He's not a Rupert or a Colin. But even Colin's more introspective than that. Yes. Yes. Even Rupert is more introspective than that. Like you actually, I think for this plot to work, it has to be someone who's kind of an idiot. And you and I are just never going to be into the guy who's that much of an idiot. Yeah. I was like, even Rupert, even Rupert, after he's like, kisses Daphne, is like, hmm. Something's a little different here. Yeah. Whoops. Yeah. It's great. Yeah. So now we get like real offensive because it got really violent. And like unnecessarily threatening. Mm hmm. So, like, first of all, when the uncle, Lucy rushes to her uncle and says, I'm in love with Gregory Bridgerton, not going through with the marriage. No, you set it up. No, it's like a whole done deal, but I'm not going through with it. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. And as far as Lucy knows, it's just like a pact between two families. There's Mm -hmm. nothing like, she's not bankrupting the family by not marrying him. And she's, she doesn't even know. Like, she knew the guy she was supposed to marry when they were younger, but she, like, has no recollection of him as an adult. Right. And when they meet for the first time, his dad is a gross monster who's, like, Mm. super rude and disgusting. And so the uncle gets, when Lucy says, I'm not going to marry him, gets really violent with Lucy, Mm -hmm. throws her around, tells her that her father committed treason and that she's being blackmailed into this marriage. And then Lucy points out that Gregory has informed her her betrothed is gay and known to be interested in men and this will not be this isn't a marriage where they could grow to love each other and her uncle one already knows that and two informs her that it's okay because if her husband can't get it up to get a kid her father-in-law can the gross monstrous father-in-law is gonna have sex with her and lucy's like you are sending me into a life of misery what the fuck Mm -hmm. and you know that's supposed to just be fine in the middle of this lighthearted house party novel. Yeah, I mean, there's like a real turn. Takes a real turn. Um, so basically, Lucy's in this terrible, horrible situation. What can she do? Um, Talk to no all- one and just go through with it without any articulation whatsoever? I mean, yes, but she's also kept kind of under house arrest. Her uncle's not letting her out. Um, you know, she went to a tea with Violet Bridgerton because he felt like she couldn't say no because it would reflect poorly on him in society. But other than that, he's not letting her have visitors. You know, she's being kept in isolation. Right. But even when Gregory manages to get past her guards, rather than talk about it, she decides what's most important is she's definitely going through with it. She's not going to talk about her problem with anyone. She's not going to doubt her crazy uncle at all. She's not going to tell her brother and her best friend who are in the house with her and who she's allowed to see. Instead, what she's going to do is um, at least get one night of passion. Right. A very romance novel logic here. The fact that she didn't talk to Hermione or her brother about it when they were living under the same roof for three days pisses me off. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then her her intended, he, the, this character was very um, weird. Offensive. Yes. So he's he's kind of he he doesn't seem like that bad of a guy, but then on the other hand, it's not like he's questioning anything that his father is doing. It's weird, like 
it's one first of all like the most one-dimensional portrayal of a gay character mm-hmm. like julia quinn needs to stop it was not acceptable to like just throw in his sexuality as a obstacle for lucy mm-hmm. without giving him any depth other than being a dick who lets his dad control his life and he stands up to his father but only as like he's mouthy he doesn't yeah. actually stand up for lucy yeah. and like clearly he is aware that he's either gonna have to sleep with her or that his father probably plans to like he's not a naive to what a gross person his dad is but he's willing to get an annulment yeah for lucy's happiness yeah pretty much like he doesn't ask for anything in return she offers but he doesn't ask yeah it's very it's very strange it's a super weird characterization mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and then i i don't know if i would call this offensive but i definitely found a lot of lucy's character traits um stereotypically feminine she's always saying I'm sorry she keeps saying you know she says that was like one of her little things that she apologizes for everything she's always trying to smooth things over and make things nice and make people happy she always wants things to be clean and organized and puts clothes away and stuff like that and I just found it like I was just like uh really like can't you have some kind of character trait that's unique she's like the perfect 50s housewife She's the angel in the home. She didn't, like, she questioned her uncle, and then he said, no, this is what you're going to do. And she said, okay, I guess I'll do it. She didn't yeah. have one. You know what I mean? Yeah. Hmm. I hadn't thought about that while I was reading it, but you're right. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, probably the part that pissed me off the most about Gregory is he's, like, goes to her after the wedding. So she actually gets married they he goes to her wherever they are wherever the wedding breakfast is I don't know if it's her house or the his her groom's house I'm not I don't remember which to be honest hers her house uh, and then he's like I'm gonna save you and she's like I'm gonna help you and he's like no you're not and he chains her he ties her up in the water closet yeah so that it's it's for her own good but of course, what happens whenever you tie up a woman and like stash her away somewhere? Who comes and finds her in there? Her uncle. And she can't get away because she's tied up. Thanks a lot, Gregory. <laughs> it really pissed me off. I, I can't even with where this book ended up. I don't know what happened. It's so weird. It's It's, it's so weird. Um, so then they do finally get married and then yeah epilogue is she just has a million kids yeah uh so Meg was this book sexy no it was not we had the drunk kiss which they liked but it was a drunk kiss and then the sex was like sad goodbye sex it wasn't even sexy Mm mm-mm like, let's put it this way. In terms of all of his brothers having sex with a virgin for the first time, Gregory didn't do a whole lot. He's lucky it went okay for her. <laughs> That's true. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm not saying that um, I love Benedict because I hate Benedict, but sex was better. <laughs> this book, I can't decide if Julia Quinn had no idea what to do and so just like word vomited all over the page. Or if this is like every weird ass idea she had for the Bridgertons that she never got to use shoved into one book. She, she's like, hmm, maybe I should try some of these other innovative storylines coming out of the Lawrence camp. I have no idea. Like, on it. I finished this at like 2.30 in the morning and was like speechless to myself in bed. I was like, what, what did I just read? I don't know where this went. It was not where I was expecting and I did not enjoy myself. So this is a, again, as, as part for the course for these books, this is a reread for me, first time read for Lane. Um, I will say that basically what I was left with, my memories of this book were, I remember that there was like treason and blackmail and stuff. Um, but what I was mostly, what I mostly remembered was that it was really kind of a letdown as the series finale. It was not even a part of the series as far as I'm concerned. Like what happened here? Yeah. And I was like, okay, I, like, I, I understand, I understand part of the quandary, which is that, you know, Gregory is the youngest of these four brothers. Right. And the other three were much, much older and had already taken society by storm. Um, but I think the biggest issue with this book is that Gregory didn't have an occupation. You know, like, what if he had joined the military? What if the conflict was that um, she didn't know if she could marry a military man because so many, because her brother died in battle? I don't know. Like, there are a lot of different things that could have happened here. What if he was the only Bridgerton brother who had a job? What if he wanted to abolish the aristocracy? Mm, like, hmm, I like it. In this big loving family where they all care about each other first and foremost, there's this internal political strife. I love it. I don't know. Literally anything is more interesting than Gregory's actual personality, which yeah. is nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Regency Jim Bob. Regency Jim Bob. <laughs> like, his goal in life is to, like, quiver full the world. And I'm well, not. He is not well here for it. Way. He is well on his way by the end of this epilogue. Lane, um, they have nine children. I, also, let me, can we just rant for one second? I know you've had children. I have not. But her whole description of birth at the end was also so weird. Where yeah. she's like, oh, I gotta embroider through this. It gets easier every time. This is no big deal at all. Oh, it's twins because I feel a little different. I what don't know. was happening? I mean, I, I've only had one child, so I can't tell you the relative difficulty of, like, one pregnancy versus another. Um, yeah. I will tell you, Lane, that you probably want to avoid the second epilogue if you didn't like the, the birth part in this one. What? Yeah, because could they, would they end with nine? No. no. No, 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 no. I mean, this is like this is like a big spoiler if anyone wants to read the second epilogue because the second epilogues are just like one little vignette. So the vignette is her having the the baby, but she almost dies. FYI. Why would you write a second epilogue just to write that? 
What does that add? I don't know. Whatever. I'm over you, Julia Quinn. Like I said, I liked Hyacinth's book so much more than I was expecting to. And Gregory's was so much worse than I was expecting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. This, this final book is just always, I don't know. I I think part of it is that you can't, you can't hate Gregory. Like he's just so bland that he's just like, like you can hate Colin because I hate him. Um, But that's like some kind of emotion. Yeah. And this one, I'm just like, eh, Gregory, like in another three months, I'll think back on it and be like, oh yeah, what did I, that book was like, whatever. Mm-hmm. So. so anyway thank you so much for listening if you're enjoying our podcast we'd love it if you could rate review and subscribe